Hello and welcome to the Expat Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Annie. And I'm your host, Steve. And in this podcast, we're going to explore the reality of living life as an expat in Australia and what it really means to feel like you belong. Join us as we uncover the challenges and opportunities that expat life presents on the search for settled. With our stories, tips and interviews, see us as your two friends to help you navigate expat life abroad. Just to let you know, this video podcast series is brought to you by the team at Auric Migration and Mobility. Now, Auric have helped us personally with my visa process to Australia, and we only know too well how difficult the entire process can be if you're doing it by yourself. They have also helped hundreds of our followers, and they're offering our listeners an initial assessment for free. Email them your visa situation, questions or concerns, and they will get back to it at no extra cost. Simply mention the Expat Reality Podcast when you email them at migration at auric.com. Auric is spelled A-U-R-E-C. So that's migration at auric.com. Hello and welcome back to the Expat Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Annie. And I'm your co-host, Steve. And today we are going to be talking all about all of the things that we personally miss about England. There's a few of them. I mean, as far as like, you know, not having to worry about dangerous animals and that sort of thing. Uh, Driving is a big thing as well. Family and friends and kind of what it means to have them in Australia versus in England. The culture and the bars, uh, the light. There's a huge amount of topics to cover here. Oh my God, we have got so many things to share with you today. So we better have to get started, haven't we? Let's do it. Let's jump on in. Let's jump on in. So just to let you know today, we have a little special guest in the background, which is our little doggy called Tamale. That's right. If you hear a jingling around, don't be concerned. There's... It's not something we're unaware of. So jingles, yeah. jingles are fine. We decided that it's actually too hard to try and record these podcasts with our little yeah. doggy, like vying for our attention all the time. So we thought, you know what? If she starts to rattle around, she does. So. Now, I just want to clear something up. If you're watching on uh, on video, which we hope you are, uh, you might have noticed I've got this very <laughs> special T-shirt can on Can they here. see it, Steve? I don't know if they can. No, this way I think. Steve's of. wearing a very, very Australian T-shirt, which is looks like something from 1980s with neon um, <laughs> colours. <laughs> what does it say, Steve? Oh, it's actually the Toad Racers T-shirt. Um, basically, uh, there is uh, the Arcadia Beach uh, Toad Racing, which is up on Magnetic Island in Queensland. Uh, it's 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 a really interesting like spectacle. If you've ever get a chance to go up there and have a look. Highly recommended. Um, basically, they have a whole bunch of toads and they put them in uh, inside a circle and then they get them to race and whoever, whichever toad gets to the end is the toad who wins. And there's a lot of gambling. There's a lot of high-stakes oh tension that surrounds it. But We yeah. <laughs> we went up to Magnetic Island uh, during Christmas in 2020 and we heard about this famous toad racing, which is basically where they raise money for the surf club. And they've been doing it for like 20 years. And so it takes place on a Wednesday night at the Arcadia Hotel. And so we went along to it and we weren't really expecting that much. But it was amazing. And like it was raining that night and the guys who were hosting like built it up so much because toad race, how long do you think it's really going to take? <laughs> Probably a couple of seconds. But they made it into this huge like spectacle and people ended up like, didn't they? How much? Did oh, there was put several on it? hundred. I think like it was nine hundred dollars. I think was the 
the winner in the end. People get together, they pull, you know, like they might each pop in a couple hundred bucks each and they're like, there's some money flying around. People are just, you know, kind of all different. Yeah, I think it might have even been more than that actually. I don't know. but It it was quite amazing. And um, if you want to find out more, we have got an article on on London and Sydney, which is our site, all about that cane toad racing. And I think we actually did a video about it as well, which is on YouTube as well, which is our YouTube channel is London and Sydney. Um, So you have to watch it because it was absolutely crazy when we went to it. And it's kind of weird in Australia because they love to do – races don't they of animals which might not be quite right but that, that's right and that's why I kind of like it made sense as a segue oh, because it's one of those things that you know it is pretty different and I don't think I don't think <laughs> I've noted any toad races in the we've UK seen or, we've seen crab races as well didn't we we did see Agnes. crab races oh, as well God, in Agnes so Water they had crab races that's so right so funny but Steve's right Definite segue into our opening uh, point about what we miss about England, which is not having to worry about dangerous animals. <laughs> I grew up with spiders all around my house, and I was like so terrified of spiders before I came to Australia. And it's something many people are terrified of the thought of coming to Australia for, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, everyone's heard of like these sort of creepy crawly stories and they've watched a lot of TV with all sorts of personalities who kind of uh, jump in there and want to sort of, you know, tell you how dangerous the animals are in Australia. Anyway, I, I, we'll get into that a bit later. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think spiders, they're, whilst there are some dangerous ones, they may not be as as prolific as what you think they are. Right. Well, I'm just going to say now, like, so I grew up with a lot of spiders. And we get all those big, like, daddy long legs in England, which are like, you know, they've got small body but big legs. But they're not, I, d- I didn't find them as scary growing up, but other spiders, yes. Then when I came to Australia, I was terrified. And I actually remember having a boss um, in Sydney who moved over from England. And one of the first things he said to me was, what's what's the spider situation like over here <laughs> and he went and thing. got he went what's and got the spider like, situation like? what are they called they, he went and got someone into the house to fumigate the house to from spiders from coming oh, wow. in like he was that scared of them and i think people genuinely think that they're just going to see spiders everywhere when they move to australia and probably dangerous animals everywhere <laughs> Well, I mean, there are spiders. I mean, that's what they do. Their job is to help you not have as many insects around because, of course, if they didn't eat the insects, you'd probably be, be you know, totally covered in them. Yeah. So they're actually doing you a favour. So they should be, you should of. be thanking them, really. Let's just talk about some of the spiders, though, because you've got, like, the huntsmen's, which are the ginormous spiders with the huge hairy legs. And you probably see them a lot on social media where you're like, are you joking? Like, spiders, like, as big as my head? Like, what the hell are you going to do about that? Like how on earth would you even catch that and take it out? Yeah, well, you know, the spiders like that, though, I'd have, I'd, I may have only seen a handful, pardon the, pardon the handful, <laughs> you know, like a, a small amount of, of those size spiders ever. And you're pretty lucky if you do, quite frankly. So Yeah, well, I don't know because when we first came to Australia together, I, I think it took like probably a couple of years before I saw a huntsman in, in our house. And then I think when we were in Sydney, I might have seen one more. And that was it. Oh, do you remember actually the time when we were driving through Sydney? <laughs> and I think it was raining. Was it raining? I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. But I remember I was driving. You were in the passenger seat. And suddenly this huntsman oh. drops onto the windscreen. Yeah. And it was like a scene from a horror movie. And we were both like, oh, my God. And I put the windscreen wipers on to try and get rid of it. It was awesome because it was like we're pulled up under this tree <laughs> and this spider like literally like did his thing Mission Impossible style straight <laughs> down onto the top of the windscreen. Like you'd never seen anything like it. It was just 
<laughs> totally. And what do you do? You're like, oh, right. There's oh a spider God. right in front of the we, you know, windscreen. We totally would have nearly crashed. And so I was trying to get it off the windscreen and then and then suddenly we're like, oh, my God, it's gone, it's gone. And then it was like, it literally was like a, a horror movie, wasn't it? And his, like, legs crawled <laughs> up by by your window, by the passenger window. And we're like, oh, my God, it's still there. Yeah, <laughs> it was... And we'd like trying to wipe the window up and down, like trying to discourage him from like coming in and just like get off our car, oh. please. Hoping the wind would blow. Like he he was sticking around though. Like he must have found a little way in, like to not get blown off the side of the car. Do you remember when we, and then like a few minutes later, we parked up outside our flat and we were like, you open the door first. No, you open the door first. <laughs> and Steve pretends that he's fine with animals, but you were even like, I'm not opening the oh, door first. Oh, no, I was fine. And you made me open it. No, you made me open it yeah, first. Well, you always send someone else in just to test the waters, you know. You never know. It's I don't like, know what happened to that spider, but oh, Strategy, God. isn't it? There you go. That's our little huntsman <laughs> spider story. But you do get redbacks as well in Australia. Yeah, they're which, a little more dangerous, those ones. Though. Slightly dangerous. Uh, <laughs> but did you know, in actual fact, Australia is the third um, country in the world for poisonous animals. So apparently there's 60, Australia has 66 poisonous animals. Do you know what the other two countries are? Or oh, have a guess. They come, come in front. What do you reckon? Oh, without looking at the answer. Um, what would you even think would be even? Well, like, you'd instantly be thinking South America, surely, wouldn't you? Like you'd be. Kind of dream, or maybe Africa. I was going to say somewhere in Africa, maybe. Yeah. But I can reveal to you, the second poisonous animal country in the world is Brazil with seventy nine, and the most poisonous animal country in the world is Mexico. I was going to do a drum roll. Anyway, all right. Well, <laughs> Mexico. Well, there's like uh, the little cockroaches and you have the spadaras, you know, like that Mexico, sort of thing. Mexico, they've got 80. <laughs> so we've got 66 over here and they've got 18. Oh, okay. Well, they look, there you go. See, we're not even number one. There so you go. you shouldn't really be worried, I reckon. But what's quite funny is like when you end up living in Australia, you kind of get used to the whole thing. And I remember when we were in, we were in Midwest America in 2019 when Steve got a new job. And we had to go over there for five weeks for your training. And it was an amazing, like, five weeks that we had. And we had dinner with some of your colleagues. And one of the first things they asked us was, you got to tell us all about these poisonous animals. Dangerous animals. They like were like, the first how thing. do you live there with all these dangerous animals everywhere? And I just, we were like, uh, yeah, you, you know, you just, you just live here. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how you'd even answer that. But... I remember um, seeing that famous <laughs> story with, um, God, obviously Chris Hemsworth lives in Byron Bay um, and um, what's his name? Matt Damon. He went to visit him and I remember he was, so Matt Damon was on the Ellen show um, a while ago and they were talking about the dangerous animals and I remember him saying <laughs> that, you know, he comes over to Australia with his kids and you know he's worried about the dangerous animals and Chris Hemsworth is like, it's fine, it's fine, mate, you'll be fine, don't worry. And then they go into the water and then his, Matt Damon's kid gets stung by blue bottles like jellyfish. Like badly. Like really badly and even Chris Hemsworth That's was quick like. piss on him. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Hemsworth was even like, oh, my God, like that's pretty bad. And I remember getting sung by a blue bottle in Manly, actually, and that was the day we came back from like after living in England because yeah. I just remember seeing the blue like tentacles on my leg and it absolutely killed me. So why I, meant, why I mentioned the, the kind of the urination thing actually is because when you – you know, get 
sort of attacked by one of these blue bottles, the actual best thing to do if you don't have any vinegar on hand is actually to just, you know, pee on the actual thing. So Is that true? It is 100% though? true. I feel like that's... 100%. No, I, no. It is actually true. True story. I think story. that's something from friends that has just sort of no. become like a myth. No, maybe. it's not. Look, I guarantee you pop open a Google window now and have a look <laughs> and tell you tell you no word of a lie if, if you're in trouble, you know. Just and it, it does sound like one of those things like oh yeah that's another it yes does, I, it? I've heard that one like before a story but what I found so fascinating about that day when I got stuck <clears> there were so many people in the water and I was like oh my god what are they all doing do they realise <laughs> but like yeah I suppose you just don't really think about it which then brings me into the whole sharks thing like, obviously everyone is like oh my god sharks in Australia which obviously they do exist and I remember swimming in um in Agnes Water where we used to live. And one of the guys came over to me, like he swam over and he goes, oh, you better get out, Annie, because there's a there's someone to spot a shark. And I was like, oh, my God. But literally God. there are sharks everywhere. Like, you know, they're they're part of the normal. But it's funny. You've probably been swimming with them and never even known it. Yeah. It's like the it, spider thing. They're there. You just don't even see them. Oh, gosh. But when you do see a spider, then you see them everywhere. <laughs> it's it's like they're just, you, they just suddenly just become like visible to you. Um, but, yeah, so the whole shark thing is a bit of a, a bit of a crazy one and people obviously still go out in the water regardless of there being sharks and then even now to this day I still get scared going into the water when it's like a cloudy day because something within me just assumes there's going to be like loads of sharks in the water because it's cloudy and overcast and I'm like oh my god am I should I go in is that okay but the one thing I always make sure I do when I go for a swim is I always make sure I can like touch the floor and so I don't go out any further than that. What's your theory on that one? <laughs> I can get back quicker. Oh, maybe? you can run quicker back. <laughs> Definitely outpace a shark. I can see Annie outpacing the shark. The shark's like, no, way, I just assume way too fast for me. Sharks I'm just going to like. Well, maybe sharks don't not come go after that, that close. I, I don't know. That's just my. They're hungry. They're probably it's my would. random theory. That... Jaws did, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing about Jaws, isn't it? Steven Spielberg literally made the whole world terrified of sharks after he made those movies well that's yeah we actually went uh cage diving in south africa and they yeah they told us all about it how like since jaws um had started and all that once that movie came out the phenomenon of of shark attacks was a thing and so it wasn't before that it was yeah. kind of that started all so all these sharks have been culled and all this you know this happened since jaws because of the fear really yeah, and um, even when we did do the shark cage diving, like I didn't even really want to do it at the beginning. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And But then when we were there that day, I was like, well, it's now or never really, so I'm just going to do it. And it was really fascinating learning all about sharks. And they were saying like how sharks don't even really know um, that who people are because it's so rare for them to even see them. So they're, they're kind of a bit confused really as to When they see you in the cage, there's like there's a bunch of you in the cage. So they think it's like a, a, some sort of animal with five hearts that's being because they, they sense the, you know, electrical heartbeat. heartbeats of, you know, you're, the human. So they're like, oh, that's interesting. There's like an animal over there with five hearts. That's pretty weird. And you know what's funny <laughs> about that actually, Dave, it was – we could see in the distance loads of people surfing on the beach where the sharks totally, were. Totally, yeah. And they said, and these guys who were running it, they were uh, they were actually conservationists, and they were saying, you know, they'd grown up in the area, and, and they were saying, like, you know, even from when I was a kid, 
I would go out surfing and my mum would be like, oh, just be careful of the sharks. And they'd be like, okay. And, you know, it's just something that, that has just become the norm for them. But coming from England and hearing something about sharks, you're like, <laughs> are you mad? Yeah, like, you'd be like, oh, there's a bunch of great whites just, you know, just out a little bit. You'd be like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going in there. <laughs> you'd be like, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Ending up a shark biscuit? No, thank you very much. And then it's quite interesting because uh, one of our writers at the moment is in Darwin and she's uh, reviewing a few different tools and stuff. And she just sent me a message saying, oh, I'm on this tour for a national park called Litchfield National Park up in Darwin. And she said, oh, you know, I was a bit worried about whether there's going to be uh, crocodiles in the wild swimming spot. And the tour guide was like, oh, they shouldn't be around this time of year. You, you should be all right. And she's like, huh? Like, what? Like, You'd be right. would you really recommend getting what if, into water? What if, that, what if you weren't right, though? What if... <laughs> You got in and all of a sudden, you know, like uh, well, surrounded I, by 20 But then crocodiles. you see, like, on I know on Instagram recently there was a there was a viral video that went obviously viral and it was about a guy hitting a crocodile with, with a saucepan that was obviously in the backyard. And, like, you know, for Australians, like, oh, here we go, another story. But for everyone else probably around the world, it's just like, what on earth is happening there? That's insane. Like, why, what is that dude doing even near a crocodile with a saucepan in the first place? Like, that's just crazy. Well, I don't, I don't know. You wouldn't see much of that in the UK. I don't think people would be beating crocodiles off with saucepans <laughs> anywhere in the UK. In fact, I can't imagine people coming out of the pub with a saucepan going, oh, well, it's nice crocodiles. And trying to, anyway, I digress. Moving digress. along. And then also, just on the topic as well, about koala bears on, on the other end of the spectrum. It's like, you know, oh, people think, yeah. oh, my God, koala bears are so cute and cuddly and everything. And if you ever get to go to Australia Zoo, um, up where we are now in Sunshine Coast, which is obviously the zoo that famous Steve Irwin, that was his zoo. Um, when you go there, you can actually hold a koala bear and cuddle it. And when you do it, they're actually like, they really they smell. They really smell. They're really smelly like, and they're kind of like a bit, I don't know, they're, they're not what, they've got really sharp claws. Yeah, they and do, don't they? Kind of, they're a bit kind of, they're really sticky. Like they've just rolled in some honey because of all the eucalyptus, right? So you, when you're so cuddling, you get this sticky kind of eucalyptusy, smelly, uriny kind of thing that's pressed up against you and these sharp claws and you're like, hang on a minute, this doesn't match what I had in my head. I was thinking like Care Bears, you know, I was thinking like Fluffy Teddy Bears. I was, oh, yeah, I was thinking one of those, you know, and, and it wasn't. It was this weird experience. So, And then but also I remember when I first uh, came to Australia, so I came to Australia first in 2006 uh, on a working holiday visa and during that time I did fruit picking work um, so that was so I could get another working holiday visa. So if you did like three months farm work then you would get it. And I remember like being in Victoria and I, I was picking pears. Thankfully, it was only five days worth of picking pears because um, that's what I had left on the, I had to do 88 days of farm work. So I had five days left to do. And I went to this farm and it was so disgusting this farm. Like it was like a, a scene from a horror movie. And I had to sleep in these like packed out old caravans and, it had, and we had to sleep on like this dirty yellow foam. Oh. That was like our bed. And I remember at night I had to get the torch out and I had to like check the, my sleeping bag to make sure there was no snakes and there were redbacks. And I remember like the kitchen in that place was so gross. Like I hardly ate for that five days because <laughs> the, like, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like a scene from a horror movie. But like there was, wasn't really any cutlery or anything. Anything there was was just like put in the sink and no one washed it up. And there was a redback living under the sink with its babies. <laughs> oh, and you're like, oh my, oh yeah. People who did eat, they had like flies or flying oh. around. Like it was just, <laughs> like, I don't even know how that place didn't get shut down. It was horrific. It's like, you know, you have, like, they're like the purposefully trying to put you off coming here. Like, 
Well, I don't know. We'll send all these like yeah. potential, you know, kind of new uh, new passportees. We'll send them off into the the wilderness and scare them with some like really harsh, nasty foam and redbacks, and, and yeah. maybe they won't, you know, <laughs> won't want to <laughs> hang around too long. And we'll talk about um, what that sort of fruit picking farm life is like in another episode for sure, because there's so much to go into that. There's a lot detail. to unpack, right? Um, Paxi's favourite word. My favourite word. There it is. <laughs> so weird. You've never really said that word before. Oh, and then no. suddenly you're saying it. Word of here. the week? What's well, word of the month for word me of, the Word of the podcast series. Word of the podcast series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then also, since we moved to Queensland, so we've been in Queensland for like nearly three years, I have to say, I had, I think I'd seen like one snake before out in the like country in New South Wales. I'd seen like a couple of huntsmen's. That was probably about it in terms of seeing poisonous animals in the wild. Queensland's, on the other hand, everybody, whole another story. <laughs> like, so now we live in a house and we have uh, we have like a backyard. Backyard, I say garden for everyone in England. Mm -hmm. And we can't even let a dog out there because of snakes. Yeah, well, that's true. And I mean, if we let Tamale out there, you know, it could be a chance she... Could be eaten by a uh, a snake or you know, and you see those videos from the snake comes out of the eaten, but, but yeah. the snakes come out of the grass and then it's like bam <laughs> they just like wind up sails up and in, in the doggy and I'm like no that's not happening and a condor popping out and just like swallowing a hole or something maybe. and I'm not being over the top with this because literally over the road from my house is like a creek and where we so we live in the Sunshine Coast where even the area where we live is quite rainforesty and there's a little park nearby where we live and. I, I take our doggy down there. Snake just starts wandering around and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so they are, they do exist. And also another thing to worry about my doggy as well, a cane toad. So in Queensland you get loads of cane oh, toads. Oh, the cane toads, yeah. And the, the dogs like to, you know, they spot a, a sort of squashed cane toad and they're like, oh, cool, you know, it's a little treat. Yeah, but they're really <laughs> poisonous and they could yeah. kill your doggy. So yeah. I'm constantly always having to worry about that. And that's one thing I'd miss about England is being able to, like, just take my dog anywhere and not have to worry about anything like that. Um, and also with the wild animals in Queensland, I just want to say some of the random things we've seen in the wild up here, right, Camels. This is they're not poisonous, oh, yeah. right? But camels. camels. Apparently, Australia. They're actually introduced. Just you know, they were introduced to like carry the goods further into the middle of Australia. Yeah, but camels were the. They're like they've got the biggest population of camels outside of the Sahara Desert are in Australia, which I was like, what? And we were out right out in the outback in uh, near Emerald, uh, which is kind of like five or six hours like west of Rockhampton and we went out there to go and we went literally out there to look at the mines to look at um some stones for my engagement ring because we were because we were going up there anyway and we were like oh we'll just detour like six hours west and go yeah, and have a, a look. and he's like you know just we'll just pop in it's like <laughs> any it's six hours like you know it's a drive you right? get used to the obviously the distances yeah. it's just down the road yeah but it's it like was, a day's drive and that was a really know. fascinating experience going out there wasn't it let me just let me just expand on that point again i, I think that's because we are going to get to like traffic and and that sort of thing but i think just just quickly on on that whole down the road thing that's a that's a very kind of important distinction as well because it's down the road in England. Oh my god! It's literally down the end of the street. And the amount of Australians that have said to me like, "Oh yeah, I was staying, you know, with my relatives in Bristol, and we decided to go for lunch in London, and everyone thought we were crazy." And we were like, "It's only like two, three hour drive." Yeah, it's only two hour. But drive. I'm like, I totally get that because you would never do that in England. Whereas over here, we would totally travel like three hours to go for a bushwalk, 
and then travel that back like easily, wouldn't yeah, we? It's fine. And not think about it. But that's the sort of weird thing about distances. Um, but just going back to the whole camel thing, we, so when we were up in Emerald and we were driving past, and there was just like camels just like hanging out by the side of the road. And I was like, <laughs> whose are those camels? And Sue's like, well, there are probably no ones. And I'm like, what? That's really weird. Um, we've also seen emus in the wild as well. I didn't even know that emu. Oh, yeah, Annie didn't know what an emu was. She hadn't seen an emu before. Did what did I think it was? I don't know. You're like, what's that? I was like, <laughs> it's an emu, Annie. She goes, what? what? I was like, was it like an ostrich or something? Or <laughs> she was truly it. puzzled. That was in a national park near Agnes Water. It just literally popped out. We were driving, popped out by the road. And I was like, what on earth? Like, what is that? Why is it there? And then literally a few minutes, like a minute. Hang on, hang on. Pop quiz. What What are the two like animals on the national emblem? I know now. I know now because I did my citizenship test uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, there right. we go. Emu and kangaroos. Whoop whoopers. Congratulations. <laughs> nah, you went no, a, a pat on the back from Steve. No, I know. <laughs> Ask me like a couple of months ago. No, I did. Um, and that's going on to can, uh, kangaroos as well. So people think you're just going to see kangaroos bopping around in Sydney. That's definitely not going to happen. But where we lived in Agnes Water, we would see, they, we'd have like 20 kangaroos outside our house all the time. And actually, even where we live now, our neighbor's been here for like 30 years. And she said she used to get kangaroos all the time outside her house, but now they're not because they've obviously built a lot of houses in the area so the poor kangaroos are now like on the golf course i think of somewhere which is really sad but um kangaroos do exist and if you are desperate to see kangaroos when you do come over to australia you can see them up in the blue mountains i have seen them up there um obviously there are wildlife parks around as well but the further you get out of a city the more likelihood you're gonna spot them all right, so just talking about all of the dangerous animals that you'll see in australia that like obviously i do I do miss that about England, that you don't have to worry about anything like that, like going for a bushwalk and not having to stomp your feet on the ground or anything like that. And I think, well, just pulling up on that point, the old stomping the feet thing, that's actually like a really good method because it scares the kind of animals who might be interested and, you know, or might feel threatened, you know, it kind of scares them off. So that's a really good tactic if you're walking through bushes and stuff. Um, And it's a little bit different because I think in England you kind of, really walking through people's farms and that's a little bit different <laughs> compared well that's what it is but bushwalking is more about kind of you know farm gate to farm gate type affair and it's an important point and then you know in australia it's going to be more kind of you're in like a national park and th- yeah there's more opportunity for things to uh to have have a little bit of a you know a, a, a munch Munch. A munch. Oh, that's what we call our doggy, isn't it? We call our doggy munch. Um, anyways, so the next thing we're going to talk about, I think, is driving in England. This oh. is a very sensitive topic, I'm sure, for many people. Everyone's going to have an opinion on this one, I think. But we're just going to share our our sort of learnings from driving in England versus driving in Australia, right? Okay. Where, where do you want to start on this? Because I've got some, <laughs> I've got some ideas I'd, I'd like to – but what, what do you think, Annie? Tell me what your thoughts are. Right. First thing I definitely need to cover here is the whole undertaking thing in Australia uh, because, you know, I miss that part about England that people tend to understand what the lanes are used for, i.e. the slow lane, middle lane, fast lane. I don't know why, but in Australia, everyone drives in the middle or the fast lane and they just sit and hover. But 
I mean, one thing about driving in Australia is that people don't speed. So if then most people put their cars in cruise, that's what it feels like to me. They put it in cruise, which means they just sit in those lanes. So it's really hard to overtake and therefore you have to end up undertaking, which is super dangerous. Um, but with in saying that, I haven't seen as many car accidents as what you would see in England. And that's probably just due to the amount of people that are driving in the UK compared to Australia. Um but the other thing I wanted to touch on, the whole driving thing as well, and this is especially when it comes to Sydney driving. Um, okay, okay. I've just got to say here, <laughs> I, when I get behind the wheel of a car, I'm a little bit of a different person. Now, I... <laughs> I just want to. I just want to get ahead of Annie on this one because I know what she's going to pull out here. So there's, hang on, there's two. There's a couple of variations to see. Airport Steve and driving Steve. They oh, are two schizos when it yeah. comes to like comes to him. And then he's a different person otherwise. Yeah, I don't like sending lines for security in the airport. That just drives me nuts. Anyway, going going back to the the whole. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> so yeah, going back to the whole car thing. I, I think you know when when people drive in the city, they become super aggressive. Super like, you know, it's all about me and it's my journey and, you know, hey, you're just you're just in my way. And I think that sort of mentality, no matter what you do, ends up rubbing off on you in some way, shape or form. And so when you kind of start to have these really good intentions, you're like, you know, I'm a good driver. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be like a nice person, let people in. If you're nice, all of a sudden people are just like, yeah, cool, I'm just going to get right in front of you, you know. And you end up being you end up joining this kind of aggressive mindset and you it's kind of weird. A, when we drive in Sydney, Steve's like, hey, you're like a whole another person and it is not nice to be around. But I did, I have taught you a good trick about driving in Sydney. So this is a good one. Definitely. <laughs> this one, I love this, by the way. And I, please explain. How did it. you not even know this one? But I'm sure everyone else is going to be agreeing with me on this. But uh, driving, sometimes when you're driving in Sydney, it's really difficult to pull out into a junction because no one will let you in. So my little trick that I taught Steve on how you get around that is you wind down the window, you you get that person's attention because people are very good at pretending that you're not there. And then you put your hand out and you go, thanks, thanks so much. The and hand. They, the hand. The hand wave always let you in. Always. It works every time. I've seen it in action. I've, I've, I was amazed when I first saw it. I was like, no, Annie, they're, they're not going to let you in. I do. Hand comes out, lo and behold, and like the, you know that kind of look that people give you out the corner of their eye. Like I, I'm not, I don't see that. I don't I'm see it. I don't it, see it. it. The hand comes out. It's like <laughs> you, you have to see. This is, there's no way you're not seeing someone with a hand like waving out the window like this. So it totally blows their cover. And so, but you got to, you got to, yeah, you're in. You got to just nudge that little bit forward. A little bit forward. Yeah. Wind down the window. Put your hand out. Say thanks. But you, you got it. You're in there. Done. Yeah. So that, that's my little tip for everyone um, when you're oh, driving in Sydney especially. It does. And if, yeah, especially when you're, you know, you're wanting to get in that lane and there's a whole <laughs> bunch of cars like just will not let you in. Yeah. Away you go. Um, the Obviously the next thing that obviously we're going to miss about um, living in England are friends and family, which is a no-brainer because everyone misses that terribly. Um, the one thing I will just say about that is, for me, I um, I have struggled over the years um, to relate to a lot of people just because of my dry sense of humour. And I think I'm really funny and some people just don't get it, which is totally fine. So I've had to learn to really like lower that sort of tone in a sense. So sometimes it can be kind of hard to find that sort of middle ground in a sense. All right. Can I have an example of that, <laughs> I don't please? Know. 
I can't even think of what what I could even tell you with that. But I just know that, you know, sometimes I think sometimes Aussie guys find it a bit more funny than Aussie guys. But that's not everyone. That's just a that's just a, a small snippet. Well, you know, in English, the English sense of humour is very dry. And I think, you know, sometimes maybe it cruises right past and some people can look at you a bit weird and like the Aussie sense of humour is probably not quite as dry as that. Yeah, I'd say so. Mm. Um, I'm also going to talk about the culture and buzz because that is something I do miss a lot in England, especially. Like I, whenever I go back, I'm like, wow, look at how old this building is. It's like from the 1400s. Like That is crazy because obviously we're not going to see that sort of architecture in Australia. And it's something that I feel like I never really saw the true value in it until I moved over here. So I like I always really miss having loads of gigs to go to on tap after living in London. Like you just have so much choice over that. And I think especially now living regionally, like when we go to Sydney, you see like Guy Sebastian's playing. You're like, oh, my God, there's music on again. Well, it might be good if you're a Guy Sebastian fan. I can't (laughs) say I'm a Guy Sebastian fan. Wouldn't be my first choice. Sorry, Guy, if you're listening. But, uh, yeah. If you didn't know who Guy Sebastian is, he's an Australian like musician who is literally on everything that you'll see but um he must get hashtagged and just turn up i think what <laughs> um and he was on i, think I was, couldn't tell you a song he was written, on though. he was on pop idol no he was on the first pop idol oh, that's yeah, where he's from yeah. but and he's, he obviously greased the right wheels because he's still hanging around. He still is. Um, but I don't even know how we even got onto Guy Sebastian. That's kind of weird. But basically what I'm trying to say is like I miss that sort of having gigs and stuff to go to. So I think especially after COVID, not having that for so long really made me sort of think back to those times when I used to live in Hampstead and London, which is next to Camden, and be like, wow, like, gosh, I used to go to so many gigs, and especially working in radio as well, like, that would be on tap and that's something I really miss oh. a lot and I miss that sort of going to art exhibitions as well like really really good art exhibitions like that are everywhere yeah um I was going to say Camden I, I love Camden I'm, I'm like I love rock and roll and you know everything Camden does is right up my alley and um yeah no it's just uh you don't have that sort of vibe I, I can't think I mean Melbourne's probably the closest where you know Australia could could do that sort of thing that uh, you know has a similar kind of vibe, but um, I think yeah, obviously Camden has all that history behind it as well. That yeah, and I think um, with that as well is that you you kind of have to sort of think about well, why am I living in Australia if I miss all these things? And it you, and then it's like okay, well, well, obviously it's never going to do the uh, culture and the bars and all those sort of things as well as what you would get back in Europe or, or back home in England. But obviously it does really well, like other stuff, like the beaches and the national parks and that. And you just cannot compare them in the slightest. And I think having that mindset of of accepting that and being okay with that is sort of the way to sort of be okay with it all. There's pros and cons. I mean, it's not the same in, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, each of them, each of the places has their advantage. And, you know, it's just kind of, there's not one that's better than the other. It's just like. You know, it's, it's like saying, well, I, is, yeah. is strawberry better than chocolate? Like, you know. Mm, well, no, because chocolate's always better. <laughs> it's it, Again, a debate is ensuing. <laughs> I, I honestly think probably, you know, in some cases chocolate is Maybe better. Chocolate, and chocolate strawberries that you get from, oh, what's it, Top Cheese? We oh, combine them together. Really there you go. If, if only we could do that. That would be great. If there's a place <laughs> where Australia and England could come together as one somewhere, that would be awesome actually. That would be really cool. Like you have, you know, by the beach, 
kind of this English, you know, pub culture-y type fun sort of historic town and then you have that kind of right next to the, a really nice tropical beach. Mm. Can we do that, please? Can we order one of those? Oh, my God, absolutely. Oh, um, so <laughs> one thing I also really miss, which I've really noticed more so than ever, is the light in England, Yeah. which might sound like a bit of a weird one, but for me, the light, it's like... It's that nostalgic feeling where when I see people's videos at the moment of them being back in the UK, um, especially as it being summer, and gonna, they're showing you like that sort of late summer evening light. And I'm like, oh, God, I really miss that. Like I miss that so much, that sort of feeling of just the excitement of summer and it being, you know, late in the day and everyone's outside in the beer garden having a good pint and like having a good catch-up and you're like, yeah, I don't know. It's just not the same, I think. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. I, I totally get it. I, I love that vibe in the summertime and being down, especially when we're in Brighton, we we just had some awesome evenings, you know, yeah. and that sort of late sort of um, summer evenings, you know, so and the sunset's really late and, you know, there's, everyone's up for some for some fun. It's, it's just, it's yeah. It's a much, much really nice vibe. Yeah, it's cool. And it's not that summer, like summer in Australia is like bad in the evening or anything. I suppose it just doesn't stay light as late in Australia. That's what it does in the UK. Mm. And there's some, I, I mean, you're only talking like an hour or two difference, but there's just something about it that I really, really miss. Um, which then brings me on to those sort of English countryside towns, oh, the little villages. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. Let me, uh, uh, one thing I'm just going to say about English villages, I'm just going to recall a moment I that we had and we went to a little English uh, village and we, we went to one of the little tea houses and we had a... A tea house. A tea house and we, we had afternoon tea. And I tell you what, oh. I am a scone aficionado. And now I, I can <laughs> tell you the definition of a good scone is... <laughs> Crispy, so not crispy, just nice and baked and sort of crunchy on the yeah, outside. Yeah, totally. And then that nice sort of soft, mm. moist inner section. And uh, uh, we've only just started. Don't get too <laughs> excited. The next thing, the cream. It has the to be clotted cream specifically because that is one thing that is truly amazing. Clotted cream, if you've never had it. It's not the same, is it? It is, it is next level cream. It's like cream of the cream. It's the cream you always should have. It's the cream you dream of. Tea, yeah. Definitely. And I'm, I got you well into oh. afternoon tea, didn't I, when we went back. I was like, Steve, I'm going to change the world with I've afternoon not, teas. I've not finished yet. I haven't got to the jam. <laughs> we need to get to the jam. Now, the jam's important, right? Oh, because let's talk. Ja, ja, which one goes first? Jam oh, or cream? Oh. That is a debate now. Oh, okay, look, I'm, I'm going to get jump right in there. I'm very much the cream goes first, then the jam. Now, there, there's a huge debate raging is here. It? I can't remember which one, which one I prefer. How could you it's been not so long since I've last had one. Hang, no, no, hang on. Like, is this is a serious I thing. I get really confused. I won't know until I'm actually there, like, doing it. Really? You can't remember? I can't remember which one I prefer. That's worrying. Which one are you? <laughs> which one do you do? Cream first. I'm or cream jam? first. You've always been. You've been a jam person. Am I a jam person? You're a jam person. How do you not know you're a jam I person? Don't know. I can't. God, that's really. That, that is a worry. Oh my god! I'm, I'm so I'm, sorry, everybody. I can't even remember. Annie cannot remember if she's a jam I person. Like I, I know you're a jam person, though. Wow. But that's all right because jam people and cream people can get along. It does happen. <laughs> but you know, I feel like, I'm, I feel like everyone's going to judge me. Like I'm not. I'm not as British as I should be. No, you're not. <laughs> and I, well, we haven't stopped there because there's still the tea part. <laughs> We haven't got to the tea bit yet, okay? So <clears throat> as far as tea is concerned, I, I think the Earl Grey okay. balances everything out. That's that bergamot type thing that yeah. kind of goes with it. So for me that just completes it. Makes it perfect and like you've got to have mm -hmm. granny surroundings. 
granny surroundings. Granny it has surroundings. to be who, it can't be modern. In no, I would be no, I would be not going into a you modern. Want, do you want all the knitted sort I of want crochet? Like and... Crochet, yeah. Um, you know, we have actually got a, a blog post on our website uh, about a really cool uh, places to have high tea in Sydney. So go and check that out, <laughs> Londonandsydney.com. But anyway, <laughs> what I was going to say is that. Um, yeah, that, like if that, once you have the granny surroundings, you have the jam in the right place and the cream and the nice scone and the little old lady who comes over and gives it to you, you're, you're in the right spot. You've arrived at high tea heaven. It's really good. It is good. Or afternoon tea heaven, I should say. And it's a standard when you go to a little village, you've got to find the, the local like cafe to have an afternoon tea. And you've also got to find all the good antique shops because the antique shops in England are amazing. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. when I go back to England and I go to my brother's house and I'll be like, wow, look at this new like chandelier you've got. And he's like, oh, yeah, I paid like 50 quid for it. And I'm like, what? Like obviously it's going to be much harder to find those sort of antiques in Australia. But... Gosh, I wish I, you know what, I wish we could just go over there and just get a whole shipping container and just fill it oh, all up. Totally. Yeah. Oh, and that would just be great. And then also going into the whole character thing is English pubs. I know, Steve, you talked about your English <sighs> pubs that you missed. Yeah. So, and, it, and also, just to say, it's something that I think all British expats miss an English pub because. They're really hard to replicate anywhere else in the world because most of them have all got that character. For, they've been there for like centuries or whatever and there's something really nice about them that you just you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, I, I look, you know, the quintessential English pub, you, you can't really replicate that same sort of feel. You've got the, the smell of the leather and the like the wood of the bar. Yeah. You've got the glasses dangling up oh. top and you've got the grumpy old barman with a – Kind of a bit stodgy looking. He's a bit grumpy, <laughs> and you know you've you've got yeah, and you've got your IPAs on tap, the little pump things, and that I would never drink because they're not cold because that's totally un-Australian. And you know it's like you know it's got you know the real that character, that sort of the smell of the stodgy carpets, a little bit sticky. You know, had a had a seen a few nights and a, probably a few too many drinks poured onto it. Oh yeah, and maybe even a bit of the uh, the old uh, you know stomach contents emptied onto it oh, as well. Steve, which I, well, you know, stop. <laughs> It's true, you know, it happens. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so and that sort of thing you can't really Oh, I've got to tell you the story actually. I used to work when I first went to England, right? I uh I worked in a bar for 3 days. <laughs> I lasted days. exactly 3 <laughs> days. So my memory sometimes is a little bit, you know, not so good. Anyway, so if if you've ever been a barman, any pe- if you're a barman out there and you're listening now, you must, or I, first of all, I can sympathise with you because when you have a long line of people and they're like just shouting orders at you, you're like, oh, my gosh, how does anyone ever do this? Like you've literally got to have like a photographic memory to remember like what's happened. Anyway, so what happened in my situation was they had these things called lock-ins. And, oh, love a lock-in. And anyway, so I was, you know, because I was, I, was, I was Aussie, so I was expected to be an amazing barman. I'd never done it before. I sort of, you know, winked and nodded and said everything they wanted to hear and I thought, oh, here we go, this will be interesting. Anyway, so uh, everyone's ordering at the bar and going, oh, can I have a Foster's Top? And I had no idea what a oh Foster's Top Oh, my God, yeah, because then you'd get them all, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, what's the other ones? These random drinks. Shandy. Yeah, I'd never heard and of what's them. What's the one where you, t- where you put half a... Half a lager and half a cider. Snake bites. Snake bites. Snake bites, stuff like that. I'd never heard of any of these. And people looking at me like, you know, I have a snake what? bite and Foster Top and a Shandy and you this. Gotta, and a, you got to have a cider with ice in it as well, obs. Oh, like. and then and then, then the Guinness people were very, very particular about how it was poured. And if you didn't do that right, you were like, I was on the edge <laughs> of being fired. So, you know, they were they were very serious people, the Guinness people. Like if you did it wrong, you're 
just wasn't wasn't a good day for you or anyone else. <laughs> so it was like you had to, all these things to consider. Anyway, and then on top of that, as I said, they had the lock-ins, right? So here I am and, he's, you know, shut, they've shut the door and all of a sudden he's partying till 3 a.m. and I'm expected to serve everybody. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Anyway, so um, and I was I was actually staying at the pub because that was part of the deal. Like you had accommodation and stuff. And they served up this really manky like gammon. I'd never had gammon before. Oh, yeah, because you wouldn't never have what they used to do. Anyway, so <laughs> I had this at lunchtime. I'd eat my manky oily gammon and then I'd go, you know, spend the evening like trying to remember orders and just messing them up completely. And so and these lock-ins and, and then on top of all of that, so this guy, the guy who was there before me must have had a bit of a party because there's all this like candle wax around the edge of his bed and I was like, oh, he's been up to some, you know. Are you going? What? So yeah, he had candle wax around his bed. I'm like, dude, what are you? What have you been up to? I mean, you know, like candle wax. Oh. Yeah, candle wax. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I'll I'll leave that to your imagination. Anyway, it turns out also that the owner of the pub didn't bother to change the sheets of the bed before I turned up and expected oh, me God. to. And there's all his hair in the sheets, and I was like. You must be kidding me. So I've turned up. You give me manky gammon, oily gammon. You expect him to remember a hundred orders of Foster Tops and Guinness and all that thing I've never heard of. And then you put me to bed in like this stinky, like you know, disgusting, hair-ridden, candle wax-ridden bedroom. So I'm like, I'm, it just wasn't cool. So I was like, you know what? Lunchtime came. I was like, that's it. Ow. I got my bags together. I was <laughs> <laughs> took over lunchtime. I was down high-tailing it out the out the door, and that was enough for me. I, I sort of sort of oh, oh I gotta go. <laughs> See ya. That was the and, end um, of your uh, working at a bar. Yeah, I thought I'm never doing that again. So like, I can totally appreciate a barman now, 110%. <laughs> I, I, I really admire their memory skills because – you know the worst things when people take the drinks off the bar? Like, you know, you'll be sitting there and – Well, they go and order them. So they'll say, I have this, this and this and this. And you pour the first couple, you stick them on the bar. Oh, and then they take them away. And they away. take them away. And you go, did I just pour that? I can't – Oh. And then I, I don't know whether I poured it. And I, I'm having to keep track. Wouldn't you do that in Australia, though? Oh, probably, yeah. But, you know, you've got to you've got to – Back in the day when I was there, I didn't have a till where you could like dink it. You dink it when it turns on, <laughs> press the button and it adds it to the order. Well, I didn't have that when I was there. So you had to remember how much So you had to cost. remember them and they had this old-fashioned till that had these weird buttons on it. And he said, oh, you have to do it this way and then it's up there. And he had, there was a special order to do everything in and, of course, it was super complex and <laughs> ridiculously complicated when people are you know, wanting their Guinness poured a certain way at the same time. So... Uh, yeah, I just I wasn't for me, and anyway, <laughs> that was my English bar story. So I'll, I'll leave it there. I think I've, the, <laughs> I think I've been through all the, that one with a fine tooth comb. Anyway, I'll just touch on that quickly from an Australian perspective. When so uh, when I was in Darwin when I was a backpacker when I was in two thousand and six, um, and and I went to work in a bar, right? And oh, here we go. The story. So here we go. I went to work in a bar in Darwin. It was a normal bar, but then they t- when I started, they were like, oh, yeah, um, tomorrow night when you come in, you'll have to wear a bikini because we all, like, get on top of the bar and we dance. And I was like, excuse me? And this was like a standard bar. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm, I, There's no way I'm doing Like, uh, if you know me, there's no way I, would, I could do that. Like, I'm, I definitely not. I'm not that confident with my body to – be okay with that and I and instantly just thought oh my god it's like coyote ugly and I'm not one of those people so <laughs> you then, imagine you doing like coyote ugly like <laughs> pouring shots on you and all that sort of stuff oh and, <laughs> so, instead, uh, so instead I was like me and my friend we were like well we might as well go work at a strip bar behind the bar and we'll just get paid more money oh so you thought you know what if we have to do this let's let's go all out let's just no do I was it like if I'm gonna work in a bar I might as well go and work in a strip club bar 
and it, uh, in the bar, not like I wasn't stripping, obviously. Um, How do we know that? Because. Uh, if you know me, as you should do, there's no way I But would how do, do we really? I mean, maybe you were. <laughs> maybe that's the cover story. So then, my friend and I, we went and worked at the strip club oh my God, in Darwin, and it was so funny. And because one of our writers is up there at the moment, I was like, oh, see if it's still there, this place, because it'd be so funny to see it. Because I haven't seen it since. And this is going back to 2006. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Like, you and a strip club, I know. Obviously, it's not something I would ever do now, but it was such an experience. And it was so fascinating to, to, to do that and I remember like when I first started someone came up to me and they were like I love a pure blonde and I was like excuse me uh, yeah because being blonde I was like oh my god what are you saying but I didn't know that pure blonde is an actual name of a beer in Australia <laughs> <laughs> so oh god it made me laugh whoops I'll just tell you a quick story about that because it's so funny. And I remember they had like, you know, like Melbourne Cups. The Melbourne Cups like a big horse race in Australia. They have a similar one called the Darwin Cup. And I remember when it was on and they invited like all the media and everything for the Darwin Cup to oh, wow. the strip club for like a sit-down lunch. And during the lunch, like the, some of the girls would get up and, and you know, do a performance. And... As it started, I was like bringing up the food for people. And the first girl, she comes up on stage and she goes to jump on the pole. And oh. bear in mind, they're not naked, like they're wearing clothes. Um, and I don't think they ever, they didn't ever get naked when they did do their shows anyway when I was there. You leave me in suspense. They weren't. So the girl comes out and she gets to jump on the pole. And as she jumps up, the pole falls down she's on the floor the pole's oh, on top awesome. of her i started laughing because i thought it was so funny it was like it was like one of those scenes you see like on those sort of candid camera <laughs> australia's funny some videos yeah, 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 type yeah, yeah. thing you know yeah yeah and um or like have what was that ridiculousness have you been framed or something mtv uh, yeah and i was like oh my god that's so funny and no one said anything and i was like dead silent and it was so funny and there was always a moment that really stuck out for me about that experience working in there and in the end I left because I remember at one point they wanted me to go up onto the stage during an interval and because they had these mirrors around the stage and they're like like, they wanted you to be a fluffer they wanted me to go on the stage and start cleaning the mirrors in front of everyone (laughs) I was just like no I I don't leave behind the bar so I was like that that career is over but it was a it was a great experience as a backpacker to do something really random like that that you know will stay with me forever whether it's a good thing or bad thing well yeah i mean that would have been hilarious to see you know this <laughs> this, this girl striding out you know thinking she's the beers and get into it the poles up just bang straight on the i felt ground. really sorry funny. for them though because they all worked on commission so what they would do is they do that they do the dance in front of everyone but then they wouldn't make anything from that. They'd only make money if they did private dances. So yeah, it's almost like a promo for them to take guys off into like it's a, it's the back a promo, room. Yeah. yeah. And then most nights they'd be sat there going, oh, my God, you're making more money than me. And I'm like, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, hey, um, I lucked out. I chose the bar. You wanted to live the high life, you know, uh, doing your pole yeah. thing. So. But, you know, top marks to people who are strippers. I don't have anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with it at all. I just thought it was kind of funny that I did that. Cause what, if, what about male? What if I was a What if I was a stripper? What if I was, did the male strip thing? Well, then you go ahead, darling. You go and oh, do I it. I see that with my dance around my toad racer shirt. <laughs> yeah, slowly taking it off and revealing bits. I yeah, think if, be... I, if I had the confidence to go up there and be a stripper, then amazing. But I definitely yeah. do not. So. Yeah. <laughs> and You can have your stripping thing. But people who are strippers <laughs> and, you know, amazing to you because you probably 
would make way more money in general than I would behind a bar. Um, so we've kind of detoured now. We've detoured um, a bit. So the next topic we're going to sort of dive a bit more into is the whole food situation, food, which I'm sure very we, could, big topic. we could talk about for hours, which mm-hmm. we won't. But um, my friends and I always debate about food in the UK versus Australia. And I like I always think it's the food's better in Australia and she thinks the opposite. Oh, really? Yeah. But I'm, obviously in England, you're going to get way more cuisines to choose from and obviously way more restaurants as well. But I generally think the food's the food quality is better in Australia. Um, but there are lots of things I do miss about England. And that, you know, that comes to like Tesco's and you've got your Tesco's pizza, your chocolate croissants, the meal deals. Oh, the meal deals. Oh. Oh, yeah. Hang on, you've struck a chord there. You struck a chord. I yeah, I love a good meal deal. <laughs> I love really a meal, love a good meal. That's one of the things when we're living back, uh, was it? We lived back there 2018. 2018. Yeah, I uh, I got well into the meal deals. Um I, I think a meal deal is a great concept because it, it really it, it kind of marries chips and drink when a sandwich together, which is the idea of a meal deal. <laughs> so, and you, but you kind of can you know you can ch- pick and choose your chips, and I think that's super important with a meal deal is that kind crisps. of flexibility. You're talking about crisps, Steve. Crisps. crisps, crisps, crisps. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that whole crispy thing is. What is called chips? What's wrong with chips? Because you have chips. Chips like, is a very versatile word because them, it can be hot or cold. Or, you, you know, hot whatever. chips and that's just stupid because it's not it's just chips or crisps. That's how it goes. Oh, dear. Now you can I see. don't know why they had to make it so complicated. <laughs> just do chips and then you're covered for all, all eventualities. Anyway. No, you know, the, uh, after 11 years we still <laughs> argue about the different crisps. terminologies for different things. Um, and also, I know we talked about this before, but Pret Manja, oh, I really miss that so much being yeah. able to go there. Any harps on about the meatball? You harp on about it. No, but... I'm not. I'm, uh, Pret's okay. I don't, I don't understand oh, it's okay why there's not. Now, is it? I don't understand why there's not like there's not one Love over here. Pret. Like, why is there not? And you know what else I love? As soon as you fly into England and you see Marks and Spencers at the airport, and you're like, oh, my God, it's like seeing a celebrity. You're like, it's <laughs> there. It's right there in person. I can go in and, like, wow, like, blows my mind every time. Prepackaged meal that. heaven. Yeah, but it's good, though. It's, like, good stuff, <laughs> which actually brings me to... If you are a lover of like Percy Pigs, which I know many people are. <laughs> Percy Pigs. I found a shop. How about hula hoops? Hula, you can get hula hoops in Australia, can't you? Oh, can probably, you? yeah. I don't know. I always get confused because you've got the English R, haven't you, in Coles and they're like, Quavers. Quavers. Remember Quavers? I remember Quavers. <laughs> but going back to that, so I remember, um, so I found a shop in Redfern in Sydney called the Redfern Convenience Store. They sell Percy Pigs in there. So if you are missing them from Marks and Spencers, they sell them, but they sell like a huge assortment of them. And they have like all the specialist sort of sweets from all around the world where they've got like so many different variations from England. And they're like all sort of things that you didn't even know existed, like really rare sweets, like... Uh, chocolate orange, but white chocolate orange. Maybe that is a thing white now. White chocolate but, orange. Yeah, you can get that. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that though. There's loads and loads, but you have to go in the shop. It's really good and it's really famous now. The guy has, is like a genius at his like social media and he's become really massive. And I just randomly found it on the internet and I was like, oh, I'll go and have a look in. And I was just like, wow, this shop is amazing. So go and have a look in there. There is an article on our site as well about it. And actually I made a video about it as well because I've just loved it so much. Um, so you can get Percy Pigs from <laughs> Who would have thought a video about a convenience store? But anyway. I know. But <laughs> it's it's just, actually that good. It's like it? party. It's really good. Do you remember? You probably remember. Do you remember party rings? Do you know what they are? Party rings. Oh my God. No. 
party rings if you grew up in the 80s. suspect though. Grew up in 80s, 90s, you will remember party rings being a very staple part of your diet um, as it was refined. Is that like Pez? Anything like Pez? Pez? Remember Pez? Pez. Oh, Pez. Pez. Yeah. No, it's not the same. Uh, They are, um, party rings are like uh, biscuits that have icing on the top of them and they look like a donut. Um, full uh, of E numbers and God knows what. <laughs> e numbers. And also. What what E number do you fancy? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you think about what we grew up with. I know. Oh, my gosh. And then Heinz beans as well. So in Australia you get the Australian version of Heinz beans, but you also get the English recipe and it's not oh, the same. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. They're like, I think the English recipe is vastly superior to the Australian do recipe. I do, well, really? I, I have to say no. I prefer the Australian version. Really? No, yeah, no. I think I've just got used to it. Get out. There you go. Wow. So, I mean, God, we could talk about different variations of food all okay, day long. Okay, fa- favourite chocolate, favourite chocolate. I'm going to put my hand up and say Galaxy. I Ooh. think Galaxy is is definitely a winner. Yeah. I think probably the best chocolate. Mm. Probably Yorkie. the best. Yorkie's, Yorkie's good. good, but oh, no. Galaxy, Galaxy Ripple, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chocolate in Australia, it does not taste the same as English chocolate. No, and that's for a very good reason. Oh, we actually learnt this in India and kind of brought the, the whole thing home. But basically the temperatures are the key here. So so what happens is because it is warmer in Australia, obviously, they have to add these little things or these agents, agents, think E-numbers, maybe like that. I don't know the science in it. But what I do know is that these agents are added to prevent it from melting. And they have an effect on the flavour. So they, and they, they make a difference to the, you know, how it sort of feels in your mouth because, you know, it's cold in England. So they don't have to worry about it being warm. <laughs> So, hence the flavour is different. So, that's Steve's tip of the day. Oh, right, Steve's tip. Um, <laughs> also, it's kind of interesting to see about food shops as well. So, obviously, buying a food shop in England is way cheaper than in Australia. I remember when we lived in England in 2018, our food shops were coming to like £60 a week. Oh, yeah. Which is mad when you think about it. And then now, I don't even want to even think about how much we pay in Australia. But Mm. um, another thing I noticed as well in England is like how the organic sections, the fresh food organic sections were always way bigger in England. Like you'd see a whole aisle of like organic food, whereas in Australia, there's like a tiny section, which... I always find really weird why they don't have that more in Australia. So that's definitely something I do miss about England for sure. And actually, I remember um, one of the last times I went to England and my, I went to Waitrose with my brother and he gets out this sort of machine and he's like, have you seen this yet, Annie? And I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, you walk around and you scan your food shop while you're shopping so you know how much it's going to come to. And I was like, what? That's awesome. How good is that? I was like, that is the best thing ever. I haven't seen it in Australia. I don't know if they've got it in Sydney or Melbourne yet, but I don't think that Coles or Woolies be into that because they're like that's half their half their you know, revenue is the whole thing that you spend too much. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that with every shop. It doesn't seem like the sort of thing you'd want to do. How I oh I know that'll that'll really make us more money. Yeah. We should like tell people how much they're paying before they pay. Um, obviously, <laughs> another thing. <clears throat> another thing I really miss about uh, UK is clothes shopping, which is, I. Miss it and I don't miss it because in Australia I don't buy hardly very much at all anymore um, but in the UK you know they they change their stock daily and so I felt like I was being very much coerced into like I need to go and shop more um, but what I did find is like the obviously the quality of clothing is what is way better generally in England and much cheaper but 
you know, in Australia, I could spend like a hundred dollars on a pair of shoes, and I'll know full well that I could probably get them Primark for like six pounds, which is why I don't really shop very much in Australia. So if you do go back, I would just like, you know, stock up on as much as you can before you come back to Australia in general. Um, and another thing I was noticed after being in the UK, and I come back to Australia after a holiday, and I put the TV on, and I'm like, oh my god, Australian TV, like, oh well, you know, Australian TV is. I don't know. It, it 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 just doesn't hold its water against English TV. I find English TV is much more sort of I don't know geared towards people that are a bit more kind of I don't know. How would you say like not five? So you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, they're like not talking to you like they're robots. So they're like yeah, you know. they're not like pretend people. Like I just feel it's more like engaging and kind of stuff that's on. You know, Australian TV at kind of 7.30 is on on a Saturday morning for children. It does feel a bit like that. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It does. But I, and I just don't feel like they talk to you all the time like you're an adult. So <laughs> it's a little bit kind of embarrassing, uh, I think, but in some respects. And there's the yeah. there are some good ones out there. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I think as a whole, I think it leaves a bit to be desired. So I think on English TV as well, people are a bit more opinionated as well, like the presenters and stuff or sort of sort of talk about you know what they actually think rather than reading a script mm. um but yeah I, I mean we're really lucky now in australia because we get loads of english shows which i've realized pretty much most of the tv i watch in australia's english shows anyway um but another thing what's your favorite <clears throat> show what's your favorite english show annie my what over here not just of all time of all time oh god, oh god i don't know oh i would have thought it was love island isn't it no well love island didn't come out um, when I was in England, so I've I've never seen it. I've seen a little bit of it, but I've never really watched Love Island. Oh. So because it it just it wasn't out. Was I it? know X on the Beach. That's what you like. Oh yeah. Oh Geordie Shaw. Remember Geordie we watched Shaw, that quite a bit, didn't we? Right. In Sydney, that's quite funny. Uh, um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Just in case you're wondering, Geordie Shaw. Sure. Not any of those things. Are you sure? Hundred ten percent. No, definitely not my vibe. What's your favourite English show? Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I'm a bit of a doco fan. Um. Hmm. <laughs> Probably anything to do with like you know World War Two documentaries. Oh that's my. my I know it's super weird, hey. But that's my thing. I'm just kind of interested in that stuff. And I just, I mean, obviously it's fascinating for me, like being in England and having all that sort of to kind of explore. So, yeah, a little bit different to Love Island, UK. I would say, <laughs> yeah. I tell you what I'm into at the moment. Obviously, Graham Norton. I still have got to watch that on Friday night. I really like George Clark's um, house renovation shows as oh, well. Oh yeah, that's the reno- pretty good. Yeah. Or like you know, Ben Fogel would go. Love Ben Fogel. You know where the, the wild men are. Yeah, that was a good Super one. Super good. Yeah, that's probably my favourite. Like that actually. one where he basically go, where people like leave the sort of corporate city life and they go and live out in the wild, which is kind of cool. That's that's it. Definitely. Sort lock of thing lock that one in is my fave. Um, but yeah, God, I I could talk about this forever um but another thing i do miss about england is just sort of being really close to lots of other countries and having that sort of access to to be able to go and visit places because i think after living in australia you realize god we're pretty isolated here there's there's not a huge amount of places you can go to that don't require a long flight and that are outside of the country mm. and i remember recently we were really lucky to go to italy um you know, as the borders had opened up. And I remember we met this woman in Venice and she was English, but she lived in the Netherlands and she'd lived there for like 20 years or something. And we're having a chat to her and, and like everyone at that time were like, Australia's open, you can now travel. And we're like, yeah, I know. And, um, and 
she had said to us that she just popped over to Venice for like a couple of days for the Biennale. And I, I for me, I was like <laughs> so envious of that. And I was like, wow, imagine what sort of life we would lead that where you could just go and do things like that. Um, and then we talked about it, didn't we? And we were like, would we take it for granted? And would we just sort of see it like, oh, do we want to spend money going to another city that, you know, obviously has the 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 beautiful history and architecture and everything no. but would we but would we start to see it as like oh which city was that again or you know would we sort of see it in a different light do you think we'd lose the appreciation of of that no i, I honestly don't think so i, I just think you, you would really have um a real richness and a kind of rich, rich understanding but i think the the problem being is that you actually <laughs> when we were there anyway we we had this exactly that thought that oh we'll be so close to everything and well you know do trips all the time it's actually still expensive. I mean, it's not cheap. Even and though Venice is really might be expensive. pound Ryanair flights sort of going crazy, like not five pound fifty to go to Mallorca or something. But the whole thing is, it's still expensive, and the taxi ride there is probably going to cost you more than the <laughs> plane flight. So, <clears throat> I think the thing is there to take away from that is that you know while you think that you might be, you know, it might be a great thing that you know you're there to have all that access. There's actually not. You're actually not going to probably do it as much. As what you think. Mm. And I think also with that as well, like after living in Australia, it really gave me that total appreciation for being in Italy. And I'd been to Italy a few times before, like obviously before I met you, Steve, and I lived in England. And this time I saw it in a completely different way. And I was like, wow, look at these t- these towns and these cities are absolutely beautiful. And like this is just like the most amazing country in the world. Like how absolutely pristine like stunning it is Mm. and how they preserved it so well would I think the same if I was living in England and I went over I don't know but like the whole point is is that after living in Australia not seeing anything like that and then going over there it's like oh I get it now I understand why Australians are obsessed with Europe and why everyone loves to go and visit there because I now see it in a, like in a completely different light to how mm. I have done before. And I think that's what, yeah, you do have a new appreciation, I think. When you are so far away over here that, you know, you, you have a newfound appreciation being so close to the rest of the world, well, the European world anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah I think that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely a valid point. Yeah. And one thing that really <laughs> I do kind of miss quite a bit about England in a very funny way um, which I didn't quite realise until we lived back there, is how everyone apologises for everything in sorry, England. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Something I'm trying to get Steve to work on a bit more is about how to say sorry. Literally everyone <laughs> says sorry all the time. Like, oh, sorry, sorry, oh, oh, sorry. But, like, you know. when I have my job there and, I, you know, you get into the kitchen to make a tea and I'm like, sorry, sorry. And I'm like, oh, my God, why is everyone saying sorry? But then also at the same time, there's different ways about how to um, approach people as well, like how you welcome people. All right. All right. All right. And then in England you'd be like, oh no, in Australia you'd be like, how are you going? There you go. How are you going? There you go. And and so <laughs> when we came back from England to Australia, and I'd always say, and I and I still had that sort of mindset, I'd be like, to your neighbours, I'd be like, all right. And they'd look at me like really weird, like, what? Like, what, what are you saying? <laughs> like, yeah, well, I'm okay. What's, uh, yeah, you know, like, what's I'm, wrong? I'm all right. Yeah. And so that always makes me laugh when I think about those different sort of ways that you speak to people, how you've got to really think about it. And and same goes with like vegetables when I think of like zucchinis, and I'm like, <laughs> What is that called? I can't even think. What is that called in English? Oh, oh can I dangle this what for a it? bit? What's a zucchini? What is it? 
think about it. Think I can't about remember. Peeling, What's it called? Peeling the zucchini with a k- k- what? Cork. I can't think. Courgette. Oh, courgette. That's oh, it. my gosh. And an eggplant as well. <sighs> What's the name? Oh, aubergine. Oh, there you, you go. Thank there you. you. We go. got there with that one, though. They sort of think, I actually remember when I first came to Australia and I, w- I went to go and get pizza and they were like, oh, do you want eggplant on it? And I was like, what's eggplant? And they <laughs> they honestly thought I was really dumb. The people yeah. at the pizza shop, they were like, you don't know what eggplant is. I was like, no. Well, the same thing I was in the UK and I, when I first went there in 2005 and I, I was with, living with some flatmates and, and then we were cooking up a roast and they said, oh, I'll put the courgettes in. I went, what? What are they? And well, goes, <laughs> yeah, come on. And I was like, oh, oh, you, oh, you mean like a zucchini? And they were like, what are they? <laughs> and, <it's, laughs> and I remember at Christmas time, which is what we're going to talk about next, actually. That's a great segue to get into it. It's, um, it's Christmas and how, like, it's obviously not the same um, over in Australia as what it is back home. But I remember cooking. Christmas lunch for your family because I was like, I'm not doing a seafood thing. No, I don't care how oh, hot it is. Oh, the cold prawns. We're yeah. having well, that's proper, tradition. I was really. like, we're having a proper Christmas lunch. I'm going to cook Boiling it. Boiling hot. Annie decides she wants like, you know, traditional and English I, Christmas dinner. I've never cooked it before, but I pulled it off and it was amazing. But yeah, really good. It was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. And I remember your family going, what are these, Annie? And I'm like, uh, Yorkshire puddings. And they were like, hmm. What yeah, is I looked at it like, what, what, have, what have you done to this pie? And I was you know? like, come on, you <laughs> guys have had a Yorkshire you've like, You know, but literally if you hadn't seen them before, they're like, all right, so you've got the pastry and like messed with it <laughs> and just took the meat out of the uh, meat out of the pie and you cooked that up. Is that the idea? And, and that's so honestly funny. kind of what it felt like to me when I first saw it. I was like, what's the purpose? I was like, why is it a cup? Like is it, it's meant to hold the gravy, right? But no one would pour gravy into it. Isn't that um, weird? It poured on the side. I was like, surely it's like gravy a, into it. People what, do that. Would you use it specifically as a gravy holder? No, but you would put you could put gravy into it. I think lots of people. You could, do. but it's not designed for that. So I was trying to get at. Could be. I don't know. It's I kind do. of found its way into being a gravy <laughs> holder. Do you know what I mean? Like its its purpose wasn't that. Maybe I don't yeah. know. What was its original purpose? I would love to know. I don't know. Oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be googling that later. I'll get back on the next episode. <laughs> Tasty. So I really miss all the build up to Christmas in England. You've got the music on everywhere, the lights, the pubs are all busy. And yet in Australia, you know the only time that I'm reminded that it's coming up to Christmas? Do you know what it is? Uh, is it all Christmas ads on TV? Uh, no, there's no Christmas <laughs> ads on TV. The only time that I get reminded that it's Christmas in Australia is when I go to Coles or Willie's and they play the music in there. That's oh, literally like Jingle Bell it. Rocks going there. Yeah. That's the only time I ever hear it. Yeah, so, true. Yeah. So for me, I really miss Christmas in Australia. And um, um, But I do love uh, New Year's in Australia and January is amazing as well. And it's quite funny because everyone takes like so much time off between Christmas and New Year that most people don't really go back to work till like mid-January or even late January mm. in Australia. Whereas in England, like... You know, you would just have those public holidays off and then you'd be back to work like on January 2nd. So that's a whole thing that's like, yeah. Yeah, look, it's much more festive, I think, in that sense. If you want to get into the whole, you know, Jesus in the manger thing, like that's right, <laughs> that's there. That's there for the soaking, you know. As I think here it's very like kind of everyone's maintained a very neutral line on it. So, you know, and look, uh, you know, whatever your flavour, whatever you like, whatever you fancy, you know, if you want some Jingle Bell Rock, it's probably going to work more in your favour to be in England, I think, for yeah, that, that for sort of thing. Christmas. Definitely for all the way, away in the manger type stuff, yeah, And definitely. you find even with that sort of between, <laughs> between Christmas and New Year, like in the UK, 
day, you know, Boxing Day sales come, which obviously you get them in Australia as well, but I don't know, there's something different about it. When People like, are very vicious at a Boxing Day oh, yeah. sale. They will use in elbows. General. Do they do that in England as well? Yeah, I would say so. Pretty nuts, right? I yeah. worked at Next. Do you, know, do you know what Next is? Yeah, I worked at Next clothing shop for a Christmas sale and at 6 a.m. the doors would open and people, it was men, were literally running in and run upstairs to the men's department and grab what they could for the sale. And so, but I loved that sort of Christmas shopping. Take right? no prisoners. Yeah, but then you get like your Christmas outfit like for New Year's and everything and you go to Christmas, like your New Year's party and there's something about that. Whereas in Australia, like... If you're in Sydney, like on New Year's, it's pretty dead apart from the tourists. Like everyone's like left and like gone on holidays. So most mm. people go camping up and down the coast for Christmas holidays. So it's kind of weird. Like there's not that sense of sort of, I don't know. Yeah. Like, no, it is, it, it's not the same in that sense. It's like there's, everyone goes on, you know, has their sort of, you know, uh, little camper van or something. They, they go find a caravan park. It's with the kids, you know, they're on the beach. It's very kind of family time out of the city. That's yeah. what kind of happens. So it's a different vibe. And, look, if you're into the beach and having, you know, nice sort of sunny times, it is very good. Very good. Barbecues, think, thinking barbecues, thinking snags on the barbie. Snags. We don't put any shrimps. There's no shrimps. It's not Just, even called shrimp over here. Don't, don't do shrimps. Why do they it, do? It's snags. Who came up with that saying, shrimps on the barbie? That was Paul. That was thanks to Mr. Mr. Hogan, Mr. Oh, Paul Hogan. Mr. Are you talking about yes. Mr. Crocodile Dundee? Crocodile Dundee. He was the man who said it in everyone's minds that it, it was a shrimp. And it, I tell you what, I, I people will look at you very oddly if you turn up and say, oh, can we throw a shrimp on the barbie? It's... Is that um, he said that must have said that for Americans and I'm guessing. yeah oh totally yeah. when did he say it did he say it in Crocodile Dundee no this is like years ago for like some you know probably in the seventies or something so uh, it's like a marketing thing marketing campaign weird yeah maybe the early eighties I don't know around that sort of time but uh, you're kind of before my heyday so. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Depending, I've got a few grey hairs these days. So I'm you know, Steve, stop. <laughs> um, anyway, so right, so guys, that's our. There's a few things there that we've just sort of unpacked. We've for unpacked you a few things, for, uh, definitely. What we miss about England. Um, and next up, we're probably going to we're probably going to make a part two about this about things that we love about Australia because there are plenty of things that we do definitely. like about Australia as well. Oh, so many. It's, it's not all doom and gloom that we just miss England and and that's it. So. Like we said, everywhere comes with its pros and cons and there could be plenty of things that we could tell you that we certainly do not miss about England, but um, we will leave it with the positive notes today, I think. Too right. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode and, uh, yeah, be good to you. Uh, be good to all of you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. See you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.